Welcome everyone to the first ever YouTube live at 5 p.m. Eastern time every Monday at Slab Stocks. We are calling it Slab Stocks Live. My name is Aaron and I'm joined by Nate here. And we took a bunch of different questions from you guys submitted through a Google form over the past couple of days. If you guys want to submit questions for the next live stream, go into the description of this live stream right here and you can see the link that has uh, the question form for you guys to submit. So Nate and I prepared a slideshow today. Um, I have a bunch of different questions that you guys submitted, like I said, and we're just going to hop in and start going through them. So, Nate, thanks for joining me. I love that we're doing this. It's going to be an awesome way to answer people's questions. Yeah, I'm really excited. Uh, another way to do a live without doing like Instagram live where the questions <laughs> are, you know, a mile a minute. Yeah, uh, for sure. So cool. uh, a good way to get people's questions answered and yet a third format besides DMs and Instagram live. Totally agree. And thank you, everyone, for joining us. See you guys are commenting in the live chat right here. I really appreciate it. And this will be posted after free to go back and watch also. So we're going to kick it off with the first question here. Do you see a pullback in the Pokemon in, in the Pokemon marketplace coming soon? Personally, I think the vintage market will stay strong due to the lack of supply. But modern may see a pullback. Interested to see what y'all think. So basically, I went and looked at the Charizard to, uh, 1999 base set unlimited hollow PSA 9. And then also the Charizard Shadowless from the 1999 PSA 9 set to compare. So if you look here, uh, yesterday a sale for the PSA 9 Hollow sold for 4,150, and then a couple days before that, one went for 5,350. So we have seen a drop of over a thousand dollars in the last four days of the PSA 9 uh, for this Charizard Unlimited. And for those of you that don't know the Pokemon market super well. The unlimited means that there's a shadow on the right side of the card border next to Charizard, and it's the most printed card of the 1999 base set. So I'll show you the pop reports here. And we have a total of 13,906 PSA graded. It's actually over 14K if you count the qualifier um, additions and the 0.5 graded cards. So there's a ton of the unlimited Charizards in the pop report. First edition, way less, only around 3,000 or 2,700. And then for the Shadowless, around 3,000. So the, the limited Charizard dropped a, quite a bit. But let's keep in mind, this same card was $700 to $900 in July. And then also pr uh, pretty close to now, it was around $3,000, i would say, three weeks ago about. So it went up quite a bit. And anything, uh, anytime something runs up that fast, that quick, it's just going to drop in price thereafter because it can't sustain that type of demand for that long, that type of price increase. So you know, I'm not surprised that we've seen this thing fall. But let's keep in mind, look at the uh, more, oops, look at the lower pop card here with the shadow list and on the bottom right there. Oh, also, thank you to Andrew Kim 97. That's his Twitter handle. Um, that's who submitted the question. We have a $13,500 sale for the PSA 9 uh, shadow list hollow on October 22nd. By October 24th, an auction sold for over 15K. So the one that's more rare is staying up in price versus the one that there's a huge pop report for. I predicted in many of our live streams over the last couple of weeks that the Unlimited will fall in price while the Shadowless in the first edition will e either keep strong or keep gaining a bit or not drop as much because people are always, go always gonna want those low pop cards because the supply is so low. But basically, I think that this is just a concept um, that you can apply to any different marketplace, which is that when something runs up so fast and is high in supply, once Pete, once the amount of buyers and the money that already got the cards are you know already satisfied, it's just going to drop in price. And I see a question in the live chat here. Will you can you clarify? Is this a live show? Same bat time and bat channel. And yes, I can clarify. Every Monday, 
5 p.m. Eastern time on YouTube. We will be going live to do these Q&As. So make sure to get your questions in on the form in the uh, caption of this video. You can go right to the form, submit your cap, uh, your question. We will answer it each week. Uh, that's the best way to do it. And then we can prepare for these questions as well. So that's the question on the uh, Pokemon market. But just to apply it to a broad scope, unlimited, going to fall further in price, I think. The rare stuff going to hold steady in price, gain long term, and also the unlimited might bounce back bounce back over the long term so moving on to the next question this is for nate here a baseball question hey so uh is this also from andrew ken it is i, so. I think or no. you or you or you forgot to switch it one of the two no, well i switched all of them so it must be also from andrew kim 97 um specifically baseball do you think color and other serial numbered cards are undervalued compared to the baseball cards so i pulled up fernando tatis um, a PSA 10, you can see on your right side for base, and a PSA 10 gold on your left side, $1,030 for the gold number to 2019, and $135, which is a steep drop from the high of almost 300. Uh, it was hovering around 275 for a while in season, obviously a short 60 game season. Um, I don't think that they're undervalued. Aaron, you you would you can uh, combat me on this if you want, but a almost 10 times. Uh, not quite 10 times, nine times. We'll say nine times. Uh, price difference between a gold, one of the highest numbered parallels you can get in uh, top series two and a base um, seems like they're pretty value, uh, fairly valued to m in my mind. Um, but that doesn't mean I wouldn't go after the serial numbered cards for long-term investments. Uh, right now, I'd probably go base because people love it. But eventually, that I think that craze might die off and you'll be happy to have the par uh, numbered parallels in your possession. I think it's t two different ways to look at it. One, if I'm spending the money, I would buy one gold PSA 10 over 10 or nine base, like you said. Uh, it's more of a collectible. It's something that I think will hold more value when you look at the pop reports, especially because of the tough grade on the golds in tops flagship. Um, very, very tough grade. It's going to hold value over time. But there is a point about base PSA 10s in that they're super volatile which can be good and bad pros and cons and then you can also secure quick sales um, i think that's way easier to sell a 135 140 card than a one thousand dollar card you're just going to have more buyers in the market which also can lead to quicker returns quicker roi percent but also if if the question is what would you choose between the two i personally would go with the gold because it's a better collectible um, it, it's more exciting of a card to me, but that keep in mind that comes well, with spending a lot more money. That's if you ha can buy nine base PSA tens. The question is, do you think they're undervalued? Yeah, those cards. Yeah, no, I I guess to answer the question, I I don't I agree with Nate. I don't think that it's technically under undervalued because the base PSA ten come with good pros with the easy, uh, very liquid sales, and also that a large amount of people would want to buy them. I don't think it's undervalued. But if I were choosing, I'd go with the gold. Yeah. All right. Next question here. How how are you? Okay. So keep in mind, these are direct copy and paste questions from our uh, Google form submission. So if the grammar's a little weird, that's why. Uh, how are you feeling about Jason Tatum PSA 10 Prism are around $600 good price? So yes, if you look on the far right here, uh, the eBay comps are showing an auction of $525 in the middle there. And then $600 and $608 for Jason Tatum base PSA 10s. And then on the left side, if you can see it, uh, there's three comps there. One for $1,076, $1,150, and then $1,125. 
And those prices are from August 19th. Um, the other prices on the right are the more, most recent sales. So currently valued around 600. Previously was around 1,000 during the bubble when people were all hyped up on basketball, want to hit the superstars in the playoffs. You know how it was going. Um, I would definitely recommend if you saw our YouTube video from the live stream on Instagram of two weeks ago talking about why basketball is the best buy in the marketplace right now, I 100% think you'll get good value in Jason Tatum buys right now, along with many other players out there like Donovan Mitchell, like Trey Young, uh, like Luca. Even Lucas are down a ton from where they are, where they were at the height. Keep in mind, I'm not saying that they're going to go back to the peak, back to the height of the market, but I do think that we're going to be in for a really, really good two months of basketball values trending upwards, especially as more concrete plans get made for the season. Uh, they announced the, the other day that they're targeting a, a little bit before Christmas coming back. I know a lot more has to get uh, shaken out to actually see if that happens, but but I really do think Jason Tam, Prism, Select, Optic, along with all the other players I named and all your favorite players too, uh, will perform well going into the next season when hype starts to build because if you watch that live stream video, all we talked about was as attention shifts and markets drop in certain places like basketball is dropping when football and Pokemon were going nuts, the next thing they get that attention right back is going to be basketball in the next two months. I would agree. All right. Moving on, we have a question. And so this is a kind of a loaded question. We're going to start with the last part of it first. Um, you guys do amazing work, brilliant content as well. Thanks for thanks for that. We really appreciate it. What three players are you always investing in? Then next question is, what do you think about the Origins Silver Ink autograph? So, Nate, I'll talk about Origins first, then we'll move on to the uh, what three players are you always investing in. But So Tyler Hero right here, Origins Silver Ink. This is what the cards look like that he's refer referencing. It's from... R-O-H-I-T-S-A-H-A-J-P-A-L. I didn't want to try to pronounce that because I had no idea how to, but <laughs> not really sure what to say. Um, the Silver Ink Auto sold for $180 on August 27th. And Origins is a really nice set. It reminds me a ton of Topps Inception from football back in the day. Uh, it's pretty much a direct ripoff from Panini. But in terms of what the market wants and what the demand goes to, it's not Origins. It's not these thicker based on-card autographs. If people are buying autographs, they're buying, buying optic chrome on-card autographs or buying prism autographs or buying national treasures on-card RPAs. Uh, Origins is a forgotten about set, I'd say. I know that it's got some collectability out there, which is why you see you know, Tyler Hero, Silver Inc. Most recently sold for $200 in September, I saw. But in terms of an investment, I wouldn't put my money there. There's much better places you can put 200 that will gain uh, more value faster. And then I also want to point out that I think that this basketball set from 2019 Looks way better than the 2020 football set. You can barely see Chase Claypool's autograph on this card with all the colors that are going on. Um, that one sold for 105, but the Tyler Hero actually looks pretty nice. It's a nice card. If you're collecting and you like them, uh, of course, go and buy it. You know, collect what you like. But if it comes to where am I putting my 200 dollars, it's not going to be in that Tyler Hero uh, on card auto. Um, hey, you as an example here, Origins when I worked at Brewtown was $215 a box to prism retail boxes being 150 obviously you're not getting the same amount of hits out of retail as you're getting out of origins but a better product for cheaper yep good deal there all right want to comment really quick on this what three players are you always investing in another way to determine is what three players would you be looking at for people going to next season for baseball because that's where you're looking the most for sure 
Ah, yes. Uh, well, minor league baseball is back. Um, Wander Franco and Julio Rodriguez prices have not gone down. They've gone up. So I'm not going there, but I will go Marco Luciano for the Giants shortstop, who I think will be the next guy to pop off um, top prospect wise and vault his way into the top 25. Um, and then for Major League Baseball, I'm still investing in Fernando Tatis. His price is $140 a card. Those have been cut in half. Everyone knows how exciting he is. We all watched him play. Um, unbelievable player. It looks like he might be the face of baseball in four years, five years, once Mike Trout gets a little older and a little slower. Uh, and you're looking at Fernando Tatis. And the third one, um, hmm, I don't really have a third one right now. I'd probably, I'd actually probably go Mike Trout Tops Update, uh, PSA 10. Uh, a safe card, $2,500 right now, was up to 3000 during the season. And uh, you can't go wrong with Mike Trout. You know, he might never make the playoffs again in his entire life, but dude's a stud, will always be a stud. And there will come a time where everyone wants a Mike Trout card because he was the top player of a generation and a top probably three player of all time. Love it. Nice answers. I'm going to go basketball here for all you basketball fans out there. Um, first, I think I go Donovan Mitchell going into next season. I love what he did in the bubble. He looked like an absolute killer. Um, I loved all of the ability that he was showing driving to the hoop, um, all that stuff, shooting. And my favorite part about Donovan Mitchell right now is that you can get two Donovan Mitchells for the price of one Jason Tatum. Um, I know Tatum's younger. I know Tatum's on the Celtics, which is a more, I guess, hobby-beloved team. But I, I think you can't go wrong buying Donovan Mitchell. Uh, he's just going to grow with that team, and he's going to sign a long-term extension there. I think the Jazz are going to do some serious damage again uh, in the West. And I hope that they make it deep in the playoffs. But he's my first pick. And you can get Prism PSA 9s for around 105 right now, 10s for around 300. Um, so that's that's a really good route to go there. And then my second pick I think is going to be Shea Gilgis-Alexander still. Um, I really like – his pop report numbers, which is actually why I like him a lot, because his Prism Silver PSA 10, while it doesn't have the rookie logo on it, which is one of the only Prism rookies from 2018, actually the only that doesn't have the rookie logo. Uh, people don't care about that, by the way. There's plenty of demand for that card. The pop report's crazy low. It's under 30% for PSA 10 for the Prism Silver. I think that there's around 300 of around 1,000 graded. Uh, which is which is really really crazy. And then my last pick is going to be LeBron because, like Nate with Mike Trout, you cannot go wrong if you have some extra cash to stash into some LeBron cards and just put them away. Uh, going to continue to build his legacy in LA. Here I accomplished a ton in Miami and in Cleveland. And I just think as he goes throughout, you know, the rest of his life and after basketball career um, with his son coming up too, I just think that there's a lot a lot to like about LeBron always being around forever. So. I think you can't go wrong there. And that's an obvious answer, but it's a good one. Um, moving on. Wait, wait next... one second, Aaron. One second. Go ahead. Uh, regarding Shea. Yeah, yeah. Golinar is a free agent, probably going to be gone. CP3 is probably going to get traded um, if they can find somebody to take that salary because they did too well this year. And they're probably going to be looking <laughs> to take a step, actual step back now um, and be a worse team uh, to build long term, even though it was exciting this year. What do you think happens to Shea if all of a sudden he's top dog but has no talent around him? So I actually meant to comment on the basketball side of it too because I got sidetracked in the pop report talk. I, I think that it's going to be some good and some bad. I think you're going to see him trying to figure it out as that top player, which I would say generally when people get into that spot right away, they almost struggle in it when they have to 
take on a new role, a new role. And that's what I was thinking we're going to see with Pascal Siakam. I think he kind of struggled to start the year with the Raptors. And then as they went throughout the season, Siakam was an absolute stud the rest of the regular season. Struggling the, the struggling in the playoffs extremely badly. But let me comment on that too. His prism cards are down 60 to 65% since the bubble. And that is easily one of the biggest drops I've seen in the basketball card marketplace. I think Siakam's going to do very well in the regular season again. Maybe he figures it out for the postseason next year, but at least you have a guy that can make up a lot of ground on the prices that he lost. I think Shays might dip a little bit in the short term, but I think they'll figure it out. And I'm really excited for him to be that top dog on that team, which is why I also think he's a good bias because you – you're losing CP3 while while he helps him a ton and makes him a better player for sure. I know Shea learned from him, and I know Shea's going to learn on the fly too, and I think it'll help him out next year. Presumably losing CP3. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not not guaranteed. But and just, also uh, we, watched, we watched my guy, Devontae Graham, go into a terrible situation and become top dog, even though nobody expected anything of him. Uh, so s- similar situation to Shea, except everyone expects everything of him. Yeah, because, I mean, first off, he's way better. Well, hmm. let's calm down. He might not have put up better stats last year, but because Devontae Graham's the only player on that team. <laughs> uh, but also, Shea put up really nice stats last year. Miles Bridges, yo. Miles Bridges is terrible. I know. <laughs> His I know. silvers are like $2. <laughs> all right, all right. Here we go. One for Nate. Oh, yep. I should read this. <laughs> What are your thoughts on Topps throwback rookie cards? They have a print run less than Topps gold cards, yet they sell for much less. I'm assuming they're talking about this Topps throwback. Um, if there is a set type of thing that I didn't realize, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but we got we got two pictures here. I'm pointing out on my screen like you can see me pointing, and you can't. Uh, but this is more – I didn't bring up any prices because this is more of a – a talk about every single set that isn't tops flagship and tops chrome. And the problem is, is that you can do the tops throwback. You can do stadium club parallels. You can do um, maybe not heritage heritage is sought after, but uh, opening day, anything like that. Baseball fans and baseball card collectors just don't care. And I don't think they ever will care. Um, And there's certain sets that are going to take off first, you know, tops, uh, tops flagship and tops Chrome have taken off. Um, the next set that will took off was tops heritage a little bit after that, you know, you're probably looking at a stadium club or a Bowman's best or anything. And these types of cards, these tops throwbacks, I just don't think there's enough people in the market to lift every single set like tops throwback, uh, up. Let me make a comment quick. I do not know this for sure, but I'm venturing to guess that this top throwback set was an on-demand set sold through tops.com, not even pulled out packs. I'm guessing. I have not done any research on it. I know that this was your question, but I'm thinking that this was not a a pack release set, which hurts it even further. I'm just trying to like add to your point that it's not it's not gonna help. Even yeah. if the print runs are lower, you can and you, look at, you look at other tops on demand cards. Um their prices aren't, you know, their prices aren't great either. Um, and that's a good point, even if this isn't, or if it is, uh, the point with the baseball cards is that you have the top dogs, you have the medium dogs in stadium club and heritage and stuff. And then you have everything else. And even the medium dogs don't really matter to an extent. Uh, you look at like Fernando Tatis tops, Chrome heritage, black refractors selling for like $2,000 
at the height of his uh, being really amazing this this past summer. And that is, you know, they're numbered to 69. You would think they'd be higher. They're not. Gotcha. All right. Good deal. Moving on to the next one here. This is this is one. So if you see where I say screen share here, this is to remind me to show you guys more uh, past the, the presentation. But have you heard about Tyson Beck and his custom NBA cards? What do you guys think about them? Do you think that those have potential to be huge in the future? If you do not know who Tyson Beck is, he was one of the 20 artists for Topps Project 2020. He got super into the spotlight during all that craze with uh, TP2020 back in uh, – what was that Memorial Day weekend? And uh, his cards were selling super hot. Ken Griffey Jr. was a really hot card, definitely like four, five hundred dollar plus card. And he took all of the profits from, or at least whatever profits he did, from the Tops Project 2020 they made, and he invested into his own trading card line, where he partners with NBA players. His first one was Jason Tatum, second one Kyle Kuzma. You see here, and now he's doing Tyler Hero as well, which will be a huge release. Actually coming up on October 31st, so good timing for this question. But uh, he hand designs these cards, and then he also does collaborations with the players where they sign some of the cards, um, just like you know your on-card autos. And then he also signs some on his own, and then he signs some with the player. But I'll go here, and I'll show you his, the product pages. So I, as you can see, it says sold out here on his website. Um, I do not know how much these things retailed for. I'd imagine that this not this would be the base card right here, number to fifteen hundred. I'd imagine that that one was between seventy five and a hundred dollars. I can't quite remember. I remember looking when it first released, and then he makes foil cards, parallels to you know, I have one forty nine for blue, some green ones to the Kuzma. I think the Kuzma one looked really cool actually. Um, autographs from Kuzma, and then of course, oh, it should. I thought I was gonna have a Tyler Hero promotion at the bottom, but didn't. Um, either way. These are the cards. Let's move into the market analysis. Before I comment on the market analysis, because I don't want to sidetrack away from this main point, big props to Tyson Beck for going on his own and grabbing a license to, to do this with the players. I know he said he was trying to do some things with actually NBA to help produce some cards, but I know he said he's having struggles with it. So really cool to see um, an artist out there, entrepreneur, go and pave their own path and uh, get, get some uh, collaborations with NBA players going. Really awesome. But as for the market, um, as you guys can see, not performing super hot on the secondary marketplace. This is the Tatum base number of 1,500. Um, of course, that's a pretty large amount, I'd say, for a non-super well-known card. Uh, 1,500 is quite a bit. So on the secondary market, you know, in the past week, these things were selling between 40 and $70. That's got to be less than retail. I'm pretty sure retail was between 70 and 100. I cannot quote me on that because it's still it doesn't show on the website anymore. But that's what I thought, or at least remember. Um, but I wouldn't be necessarily investing in the base cards from a standpoint of can I flip these things and make money? I think that time is gone if you're trying to do that with, uh, you know, like limited releases from the Topps Project 2020 guys. But I do think that if you're a collector, if you like artwork, if you like NBA players, you like NBA autographs, um, this would be a cool place to go. I mean, I bet you the Tyler Hero cards gonna be, look really awesome with his uh, Miami Vice jerseys on though. I think he'll have his, like, his blue one on or something uh, for for that that card. And it's gonna look really cool, I, I bet. Um, but from investment standpoint, I'm not exactly sure um, if there's anything there. So I, I wouldn't bother. I would go spend your money elsewhere, especially because there are wait times with getting the cards. I know he's from Australia, so that's an, another uh, added you know, difficulty there maybe to say. All right. Next one is, what are your thoughts on Obsidian cards? So Obsidian is a release from Panini. It 
first came out as a as a full set in 2018 for basketball. Soccer was 2019. They had Obsidian preview cards, which you see here at the Trey Young on the far right, PSA 10. Um, that card came out in Chronicles, actually. So what they do with some of these new sets is they preview the cards in other products. So if you remember back in 2016 Optic, when the first set came out, they previewed 2016 Optic in 2016 Donruss. And they're really cool short prints, um, different images from the actual Optic set. Same thing happened here with Obsidian. I love these preview cards on the far right of Trey Young. The issue is, is that that preview card is not from the actual set. Um, the actual set, I'd say, is much more lackluster than what I was you know, hoping to see. There's no on-card autographs, which I'll talk about in a little bit. Uh, first off, these soccer cards look amazing. The middle one is a Jaho Felix uh, Contra, numbered out of eight. The white parallels look awesome. The Supernova of Messi looks really, really cool. Uh, they do a great job designing these cards, and they, they're some of the best-looking cards out there, I'd say. Um, but here, here's uh, Ansu Fati, the... Uh, Barcelona player, 17 years old. They obviously sell super well. The base are numbered out of 165. PSA 10 went for 1300 This card was non-graded $100, I want to say maybe four or three months ago. So uh, th those definitely gained a lot of steam. But when it comes to the NBA brand, I mean, I think that they just kind of missed on the autograph lines on this set, which is really where they could have done the most damage because if you're not having a prism base, an optic silver or hollow or a select silver or tie-dye, um, which the most people are wanting. You kind of have to capture people's attentions with new autographs and not being on card on this set. And honestly, this jersey patch or this jersey auto number 50 just really isn't a great design uh, for the autographs. I think it hurts the set a lot. It's not like this would never be a card that I necessarily want to collect, even if I was just collecting and not even investing just because I don't, don't really think that um, – that it looks that great. And I, I think that it hurts if they don't have on-card autographs on a set that isn't one of the major ones. Um, but let me back it up. I do love some of the cards. They look awesome. But as a, in terms of what I think investment value is going forward, I wouldn't bank on Obsidian being a major set. I just wouldn't. Nate, do you have any thoughts on Obsidian? Should unmute my mic? Um, <laughs> not... Not really. Not really. There's so many basketball. You know I'm a baseball guy, and there's so many basketball sets that are out there that are kind of, eh. Uh, you know I like my Noir uh, mm -hmm. and my and my Prism and my Select, and after that, it's all it's just kind of meh. meh to me. Yeah, there, there, is, there is a ton of sets out there. I want to make a quick comment that Donruss Clear is a set that's being released by Panini. I think it's a premium box set. Um, where it's released in a full set form, all clear cards. You get some numbered parallels towards the back. Kind of sounds like a tops complete set where you have the foil boards at the very back. I'm an individual pack, but or also like the hoops premium box set if you're familiar with that with basketball. I'm starting to get a little irritated that Panini is still releasing 2019 products. I mean, we're approaching the next season, the draft is coming up, and we are still getting 2019 products. Let me mind say that. Immaculate, one of the biggest high-end products of the year, still is not released yet. Flawless still is not released yet. We are way behind in these releases, and there's there was just too much jam-packed in there. Well, um, do you think some of that's COVID-related? So, okay, I guess I should say this. they Because they haven't released yet, yes, probably something is COVID-related in there. But I will say this. Immaculate has came out even in 2018, the Lucas year. Or 20, it came out in 2019, like right as the next season was approaching or starting in October. So, 
it, 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 ha it has been like that for a while. I wish that they cut out some of those um, other things out of there. Okay, here we go. A nice comment here from Ziggy's uh, Sports Card Daily. It says, Hoops premium set slash not Donruss clearly. Donruss clearly is hobby. Okay, so I think it's actually not even worse to honestly. They're releasing another hobby set. Um, good for people to get their hands in more packs, you could say. But my whole thought is just less products in the marketplace or more products in the marketplace is going to lead to just an overabundance of cards that don't matter, which is fine, I guess, if you just want to get people's hand, cards in people's hands. But if it comes with, you know, just trying to make, you know, more supply out there to make more money instead of focusing more on how can they improve their actual sets that people want to buy. Um, yeah, you know, I, I just think that there's a way better ways to go buy it. And I don't want to say it. I, I'm not one of those people. I don't want to say is this junk wax air 2.0. But I've been getting a lot of questions related about that because of the overabundance of products. Um, I don't think we're th that 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 we're there. I've said it multiple times, but but there is just some products I think just don't need to be released. Donruss clearly was never a thing in the past. I do think I do think people are just smarter and they're going to pay for what they want. And the other stuff's just not going to be worth anything, you know. So there can yeah. still be junk wax, but people are still just going to pay for what they care about. Yes. And and the, you know, Phoenix footballs or the, you know, Donruss basketball or uh, see, see, Obsidian. I, I totally agree with you, but I think that you and I think from a very experienced standpoint to where we've been in this for a long time. But imagine a newcomer that's like, oh, a new set. Can I get excited about that? More Zion, more jaw. And then they yeah. fall into the trap of buying packs for it and then they lose money. Um, yeah. But I'm not saying that's Junk Wax Era 2.0, by the way, for anyone in the comments watching live stream, stream, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying some of these products, they, I just don't know if they deserve to be released just because I don't know if anyone's going to care. Yeah. But I, I do I do see where, where people are, why people are asking those questions. Yeah. Um, uh, Ziggy says, Aaron, agree with you, Aaron. Uh, Panini is milking the Zion jaw class. And yeah, if you're looking forward to, if I'm Panini and I'm looking forward to this next class, <laughs> right? I'm like, ah, my stuff's not going to sell very well. How can I make more money off of this previously good class to make up for next year when Obi Toppin, you know, ain't no stopping Obi Toppin uh, <laughs> is your go-to. Well, well, Anthony Edwards. Let me, let me say this. So uh, contenders basketball draft picks released within the last week, probably within the last, yeah, I think it was last Wednesday. Um, last Abuka, year. Abuka Azubuki cards are way more expensive than I thought they would be. I didn't even look into that guy because he doesn't matter at all. But That's next. <laughs> all right. About, about the Lamella ball thing that I'm going to talk about is that a Lamella ball cracked ice auto number dot 23 sold last night for $450 to me. As the number one player in the draft, that seems extremely low. Not saying that the Lamella ball should have sold higher. I'm comparing this to last year where Ja was selling for 750 or something. Wait, off are you lead. telling me Lamella Ball's the no. number one player in the draft? He's probably going to go number one or two. So just listen. Just listen. He's going to go number one or two. Let's hear me out. Okay. All the basketball demand that came from the past year, he's going to be number one or two pick. And it's only selling for four hundred and fifty dollars. Last year, Ja was going seven hundred and fifty, and Zion was going two grand. I, I'm not saying that he should be up there because he shouldn't. I'm just saying that worries me from a standpoint of how people are going to treat Wax this year. Meaning, if I'm Panini, I better be good at selling product and not just trying to charge a million dollars for product because it's not going to sell. You know like they're last going year. to. You know I know. They're going to try. 
I know, and they're going to start Dutch auctions at 30K for National Treasures again. But I'm just trying to say that Panini better know that this this year is not last year, and they need to be strategic. Otherwise, it's not going to last an entire year. Their wax gravy train that like last year. That that's all I got to say about that. Okay. All right. N- next question for Nate. All right, let me go back wide again. Yeah, there we go. When investing in cards that you want to grade, is it better to buy one high-end card or multiple base low-end parallels? So we kind of covered this earlier, Aaron, um, and for those of you listening uh, on my first question, but here I have some some comps here. The picture of eight uh, Luis Roberts was $90. You can look it up on eBay. I didn't get the price in because it was, it was too much on the screen. Um, whereas this Luis Robert PSA 10 just the other day sold for $105 shipped. Um, if you look at the bottom, I've got notes here, a SP short, short print, non-graded sold for 175 PSA 10 sold for 430 within the last like couple weeks. And then base PSA nine is 30 to $40. So we got eight cards for 90 bucks. Um, now guaranteed, maybe one of them is PSA 10, two of them is a PSA 10, uh, but $90, so you could get 16 of these for the price of one short print. Um, grade some of them. If you get all PSA 9s, you're still in good shape. You're still making money. If you get PSA 10s, you're plus. If you buy your one short print and it doesn't grade a PSA 10, you're toast. So from an investment purpose right now, I would say buy as many bases you can get for cheap. Grade them for cheap, and uh, PSA nines sell for more than raw. PSA tens are selling uh, well, way more than that. Um, seems like the better option for me. Let's, uh, I'm going to play a little bit of contrarian, possibly while using some a later slide for some example here. Just Devil's advocate here. Yeah, I've got the I've got the Robert Pop report numbers here. Okay, so here we go. This is for another question we'll answer later. But if you look at the very bottom, it's got the Luis Robert Pop Report. 2,200 are graded of this card so far, and it came out in June. PSA super backed up. Expect this number to go close to 10,000 by the quarter one of 2021, uh, maybe Q2 2021. But my point here is, is that this card is not an easy grade. Sometimes you see alley-oop lobs on top base rookies. I think Nate, do you think that the quality control is going is getting worse from Tops? Do you remember Tops update 2019 when you couldn't get a Keston Hero with a, four good corners? Oh yeah, I have I have like ten Keston Heroes and none of them are graded, and either it's the corners or the edges. Is it quality control from Tops or is it quality control from whoever's delivering the packages to Target? Because I bought a lot of retail. We got some. Uh, I got some Tops update boxes, hobby boxes from the shop. But uh, most of my cards are retail, and there's a decent number of cards that look really good. It just happened to be Keston Hira. Yeah. So I wonder if it's certain sheets, like Keston Hira is always on the same sheet, um, always on the same group of cards, that all of those cards are probably trash, whereas other cards are what are good. I don't know. I can't confirm how they how they do, how they print off their cards. Um, but it was weird that all of the Keston Heroes look bad, but in like serious... Uh, one 2020 like a lot of my boba shots look good um and really so, quick. like you know what or you know will smith a lot of my will smith look good from tops update yeah so what's, the, what's the difference there why 
why is it that one kid is really, really poorly made and another is good? I don't know. It, it, it probably has to do with the production line, like how one sheet gets caught or something. But so Mac Boys says, I thought I was the only one with crap castings. <laughs> well, uh, he's, he's right there with you. Yeah, but e- either way, I think he's talking about the corners all smashed up. Um, but to get back to Nate's point about this, this Luis Robert, my whole point about showing the pop report is that Nate said maybe one or two of these can be PSA tens. I'd be, I would make sure that if you're buying a non grade a lot on eBay, you go into it with the expectation that none are tens. Um, yeah. If you go into it with expecting tens out of it, you're going to be left disappointed. And let me also make the point here that nines are good cards psa graded cards are now what people want like it, they don't even care i mean they do care about the, what the card is but when it gets into that psa case the value just goes up so much more even if it's a nine because the it's something that you can't get easily it either costs a lot to grade or it takes forever and now those psa nines are worth good money so even trying to you know support nate's point too is that PSA nines do they do do well? So I would uh, also say that going the route of eight nine graded. I mean, you're getting eight nine graded versus one PSA ten. I think I still would rather have eight PSA nines over one nine yeah. or PSA ten. I mean, I know you have to invest some money, but think about it this way: eleven dollars per card here for the Luis Roberts. Um, Fifteen dollars to get them graded each card. You're in it for twenty six bucks after fees. If you get the low end of this range, you're breaking even on the PSA nine. If you get the high end, you're making money. Whereas with the short print, if you get a PSA nine, you're making no money because it's probably still around 175, 200 bucks. And mm. with that high of a card, you're losing, you know, 10% off the top and 3% for PayPal fees. Mm. Um, and you know, what's the likelihood that you can get one PSA 10 off of a big card like that? Just buying it. Yeah, you only the base. You only have one shot, so you better yeah. be willing to collect that card and hold it, and not you know know what you're getting into. And for all those joining right now, I know we're almost 40 minutes in, but welcome to the Slab Socks Live YouTube show. This is the first edition. Uh, we've got 122 viewers, which is awesome right now. Thank you so much for watching. We will do this every Monday at 5 p.m. Eastern time. So be sure to submit your questions in the description of this video. We have a link to the question form, and we will answer them live and do a little presentation here to to help support our answers. Uh, let's move on since we're taking a long time for this one. But the oh, next hey, question. Oh. T-Bird96 yeah. says card market is crashing. Um, I would just like to say I disagree. But it's just Maybe. a weird time of year where there's no sports being played. Ba- baseball's ending. People don't have never really cared about football in the card market. Yeah, let me agree. Let me put a point home here is that pe- the card market is not crashing. People are focusing on different aspects right now. You can say that the car market is crashing by just saying, oh, basketball cards are going down. But what about Pokemon that just gained 300% or Clint Kershaw that gained 200% since August? Um, Randy Rosarina, 1,400 cards sold in one day. One yeah. day at that World Series game, game four, one of the best games I've ever watched in my entire life. And Randy Rosarena since the end of the game, 1,400 cards sold of him. I've never seen anything quite like it, um, even in the basketball world. And we're talking about a guy who's 25-year-old rookie. Now, obviously, that's that's every Randy Rosarina card. You're talking diamonds. Yes. You're talking prism. You're talking tops, stadium club, chrome. Yeah, but still. But, but still. still. 
Yeah, it's that. It's still I, insane. It is. It is every Randy Rosarina card, but fourteen hundred. The card market is alive. It's well. The money will ship back in the basketball as the season uh, comes, and it's it's you know there's a lot of people involved, a, a lot, um, yeah. and it's a really fun time. I love it. Um, just got stay on your toes and keep watching all the different markets at one time to get a full scope understanding. If you just watch the mar- basketball market, and that's all you ever saw, and you see a drop forty percent then you might think that. But if you see how other markets are shifting around it, um, then you would have a full scope view of it. So just make sure that you guys keep your keep your eyes open to see everything in the market. And even if you're not wanting to buy it yourself, which you don't have to buy everything, you're at least understanding and keeping an open mind that some people do enjoy that. And that's why why those came to yeah. going up in value. Uh, Doobie, Doobie Collects says the money is being more spread out now and that is spot on. It's not just... You know, before I feel like it was just basketball. Everyone was jumping yep. in, buying basketball. They had to have basketball it was the hot thing. And now you're seeing, but then you started seeing basketball go down, baseball go up a little bit, football go up a little bit, soccer go up a little bit, uh, Pokemon go up. You know, so you're watching ebbs and flows all over the place. But well, one goes down, one goes up, like you said. And yeah, maybe basketball never gets back to those highs, but Pokemon might stay up there and soccer might stay yeah. up there. Um, whereas, you know, there's probably people jumping into the basketball card market that just didn't care about basketball at all. They just saw the money. And now that they got their taste of cards and they're like, oh, let me find something I care about. They move into something different. Yep. I totally agree with it. And it's going to happen in so many markets over these next couple of years. We will see it happen constantly. Um, if you think about it, everyone that hopped into the market in the past year are now, a year more educated in the marketplace and where they can buy. If you hop in and you want to spend $5,000 in the first month that you're involved in sports cards, of course you're going to spend on what everyone's talking about at the time, which is Prism, uh, rookies in basketball, and maybe you're going to some Trout Tops update, maybe, or you, you know what I'm saying. But as you start to learn about more in the marketplace, more ways you can spend your money, it gets thinned out across the board instead of everyone focusing on Luka Doncic, PSA 10 silver rookies are prison based rookies. And I think it's a good thing. I think it's a hundred percent good thing because think about it. We have less of trends. We we cannot have a Luka Doncic PSA 10 go up forever. You need to let that thing come back down in value to have more people be able to buy in at a new floor. And then the cycle continues. It happens all the time in different markets everywhere, not just the sports car market. Nope. All right. I think that's good. That's a good point. I'm glad that you brought that up. Um, next question here. What is your thoughts on CGC grading for Pokemon cards? Do you think because they are in the comic book grading market that it will translate with Pokemon? So if you did not know, CGC, the biggest comic book grader out there, has moved into the trading card marketplace. Um, of course, some of you might just be sports cards only, so you might not even be aware of this at all. I do not know if CGC is opening up a modern uh, sports card grading thing service. I know what they have vintage, I think, but CGC, huge for comic books, all the high-end comic books are graded by them. And as you can see here on the screen, we have the Charizard uh, black with the red wing from the new Champions Path release, the Shiny Vault. Uh, not Shiny Vault, just the Secret Rare uh, came out. Not even the Secret Rare, just the Secret V. I just messed up all those terms. Either way. None of that, literally none of that meant anything to me. You said doesn't a bunch of words and it meant nothing. I will restate it. The Charizard Secret... The V card for the new Champions Path release is on the screen. You got the PSA 9 on the left, recently sold for $680. 9.5 CGC in the middle, sold for $700, maybe $750, I can't remember exactly. And PSA 10, which is around $1,400 right now. So clearly, this 9.5 is pretty much valued at PSA 9 from CGC. 
The issue with people with new companies coming to the grading card marketplace is it's so, so, so hard to build up their values and what they're worth. And that's how you get people to submit to you is by having valuable graded cards. You can do everything you want. And I'll show you right now from a service standpoint of low card grading fees, $8 per card if you submit 50 or more. And that is cheap. And you get those back in 30 days, working days. So probably whatever that comes out to, maybe two months um, of actual wait time, maybe a month and a half, I meant to say. But the point is, is that you can get in for super, super cheap. But unless you're turning really good values on these things, it's so hard to get people to jump into grade with you. Um, do Now back to the question. And here's a couple of the other ones, $15 for 30 days. Um, if you don't have the, the 50 grade minimum and also it gives you higher max value per card, um, standard 20 days is 20 bucks a card. But either way, the point remains is that um, if I'm grading this exact Charizard right now, I'm not sending it to CGC. CGC isn't established enough in the Pokemon marketplace. Uh, I, I actually think that the cases look kind of cool. I actually kind of like that blue label. I like that it has subgrades on them. I know that you can do something like Beckett, I think, where it either has subgrades or it doesn't. Do I think it will actually become a big thing? Not for a long time. I think that having all the high-end comic book grades and all the comic book grading under their uh, their belt is huge to help them. But And also, I think that it helps that Pokemon is... I'm not going to say it's like comic books, but at least it's like a fictional type thing to where people can relate to it and maybe they do collect similar and everyone that's sending their comic books to CGC is also sending their Pokemon cards. But um, I'd say PSA is still the way to go. You have to wait longer and everything, but you're going to get the most value for the 10, of course. I mean, comparing the 10 to the 9.5, not really close, but I think it's a really good thing to think about in the back of your head, constantly watch it and see what happens and maybe move into it eventually. Or if you just can't afford PSA grading and don't want to wait, then it's the way to go. I'd say if you want to spend $8 a card for a $50 minimum or 50 card minimum, which is crazy because that's what PSA used to be in the past. Of course, now we know what happened with all their fee increases and wait time uh, increases. And uh, this I one second, I have been completely forgetting to say thank you to the people at submit these, but this one's from Strong Island Collectibles. Thank you so much for submitting the question. We really appreciate it. And thank you to all the people watching right now. We really appreciate that as well. Um, I was going to say, uh, I disagree with your take on the case. I think it looks tacky. I think I, d I do not like how thick the top part is uh, on the grade compared to like the card. It's like half the size of the card almost. You're, you're saying card. you're saying the actual label size? Yeah, I, I do. I do kind of agree with you there. Um, I think if it would have been the size, like, you know, if you eliminate the CGC universal grade part of it. Yeah, and it was just that size. I think it looked a lot better. Yeah, but I think I think. Okay, I guess I'm going to say this. I like it better than SGC. I'll just say, I'll just say what I'm thinking. <laughs> I like it better than SGC. I'm just going to say it. I would never submit a Pokemon card to SGC if I'd send it to CGC. Um, and also a quick comment here from Doobie Collects in the live live feed. Uh, I like CGC. I think they'll surpass SGC and possibly BGS. I do want to make that next point. If I was submitting this Charizard V card, I would submit it to PSA or CGC. I am so out on the Beckett train, and it's not even about the cards themselves. I, I do like the cheapness of Beckett BGS 9.5s that you can afford them on eBay and such. But if I'm actually sending my card to get graded somewhere, I don't even know if I'm ever going to get back from BGS if I send it there. The last time I sent cards there, it was on a 30-day in April that took 100 and some days, 130 or something. They have had horrible communication. Customer relations has been terrible. Increasing prices with no, you know, even 
attempts to increase service or even telling people what they're doing to increase service, it's a really rough look for BGS right now. I'd be really upset if I was, um, you know, some type of, uh, I, I don't know what to say, like hoarder of BGS cards or someone that was submitting group submissions to BGS and you ran your small business through them. I'd be really upset right now if, if I was one of those people. Also, Ziggy says, FYI, 130 viewers and only nine thumbs up. Come on, this is good stuff. Smash that like button. Please hit that like button for us. Get this video out there to more people. We will be doing these Slap Stocks lives once a week, Mondays at 5 p.m. Eastern time, and we love that you guys are here talking cards with us. I'm just going to carry this right into the next one um, where I was asked, top three Pokemon sets other than the first edition, Shadowless or Unlimited, which would be the 1999 base set or Fossil or uh, Jungle, even if there is no Shadowless or Fossil or Jungle, but there is first edition and then Unlimited. Um, and then there's a second question that was very similar. That was I purchased first edition cards and priced on investing in them. What other sets can I look for? Good upside potential. Uh, Angel Corrado too. Thank you for the question. And these are my three favorite sets on the screen as I see it right now. And this is my personal take. If you're watching this, this does not mean you have to go and love these sets just like me. It's just I really like these sets for a couple different reasons. Uh, Hidden Fates is on the far right. That was a Charizard GX uh, shiny that came out of Hidden Fates. That set's really cool um, because it's got a ton of really popular Pokemon in it and really rare cards. Um, that Charizard on the right is worth like $1,500, $1,600 as a PSA 10. The middle one is a Legendary Collection Reverse Foil. That's actually my card. It's a PSA 6. I just picked it up. Super pumped about that one from 2002. Incredibly tough grades. There's only there's less than a thousand Charizards in the pop report. And he's the most popular character. The pop reports are looking really nice on it. The cards look amazing. I want to say it's one of the first. It probably is the first reverse foil of the base set uh, print. So that's a Charizard base set from 1999. But it's a 2002 release with that reverse foil. And then the one on the far left is the Articuno from Leaf Green Fire Red release in 2004. That one's really cool. Um, it has a ton of really popular Pokemon on that one too. And I want to show you guys how to further find sets on your own because I found these sets, which I like, but I want you guys to find the sets that you like. So go to tcgplayer.com. This is a super popular website and any Pokemon or any set that you like, you can search right here and you can find so much out about it. So let's just say you really like Blastoise. And I want to see all the Blastoise cards that have ever released. Look at this. You can see what they're now, I will say this, the market prices, I'd be a little wary about this because this you can actually buy cards through TCG Player, but this is a website set up for people to actually play the game. The conditions aren't very good. If you click on a card and look, it's actually going to tell you um, it's going to tell you what the cost is for like a damaged one or something, damaged hollow foil. But the whole point about this is just to gain info about the cards. You can see the Unbroken Bonds, the Secret Rare from there, the Base Set 2 from 2000. And Dark Blastoise from Team Rocket. And then you can go search these things on eBay, see the market values, see the PSA graded cards. And then even if you can see an entire set on here too, which is what my favorite part is. The character lookup's cool. But if you look up the Hidden Fate stuff, like Hidden Fate Shiny Vault are the, the uh, rare and valuable cards from the Hidden Fates that I was talking about. You can sort it from high to low. And you can see all the top cards you can pull out of that set. Um, the Charizard right there is the PSA 10 for 1500. This Umbreon I know is a PSA 10 350 about, and then you have some other ones here too, Mewtwo. Um, but really, really cool source to look and learn so much about this. I've learned an insane amount over the past two weeks. Uh, it, it's you can really, really learn fast. Uh, but that's where I'm at, and uh, good luck to you guys on your search as well. Aaron, quick question. Yeah, go back to that yeah. picture. Yeah. 
Uh, oh, yeah. knowing, knowing nothing about Pokemon and not really being uh, overly interested in it, mm-hmm. um, I do have one comment. Yeah. Why? Now, I know this is ridiculous because it's it's a, a TV show. It's based off a TV <laughs> show. But why did they make the Hidden Fates like video game-ish? I don't oh, like that. Yep. So you're saying like, why, why does it look nothing like what an actual Charizard looks like? Yeah. Okay. So I'm not going to be the most educated to talk about this because I don't know the exact reason why, but what I can assume is that they have made a lot of different variations of Charizard over the last couple of years. You've got from this most recent set, the, the uh, champions path, you saw the black bird with the red wing or black Charizard with the red wing. You have the V max, which is actually like a rainbow mega Charizard. Like, it's just like this. Well, actually, it's only a rainbow because it's a secret rare, but it's a mega Charizard. And then they've got um, the one they got like this evolutions Charizard, which is like a totally different one. It also do with the games and the TV shows and all that stuff. And then also just making them uh, new cards and different variations of it. I couldn't even tell you. I don't like I'm, just it. Trying, I'm just trying to tell you what I see and, and whatever. But um, yeah, they, they have different shiny because it's a shiny charizard so the shiny charizard must be the name i see so the shiny is not the card it's not like that this is the shiny charizard meaning like it's a shiny card i guess but it's that the actual charizard is shiny like it's like the shiny charizard is the one with the red wing and it must be black that looks navy to me but i guess it's black which also look at this here we go shiny charizard this is what the name of this one is too and this one's the same one as this guy. It's just like Renaissance drawn versus like video game drawn. Yeah. Mm. All right. I it's know, just not, a feeling di- not feeling any either of them. Well, I, are you I'm, kidding I'm me? I'm a classic Pokemon guy. Give this is picture. my favorite. I, I need to get this card. I have four more Elite Trainer boxes coming from Jamil today. I need to get it out of the box. All right. We got to start speeding up this a little bit. We got yep. six and a half to eight minutes left. Now, there is no time limit on YouTube, but we are going to plan to do these for an hour each week. So let's uh, let's see what we can get here. Also, thanks everyone for uh, for the comments. I see a ton of people commenting here too, which is fun. All right, Nate, your your go here. Assuming the print runs are less before than now, shouldn't established players like Xander Bogarts and Anthony Rendon have their Bowman Chrome cards, for example, sell for more or equal to Luis Robert? And the answer is yes and no. Yes, they are more established stars, so you would think, and Anthony Rondon specifically is an MVP candidate every year, never finishing the job, but, you know, a top five type of guy most years. Um, so, yes, their Bowman Chrome card should be, uh, you know, more valuable from that standpoint, but this is the baseball card market, and that's not how it works. It's all about hype. Anthony Rondon, really good but he's always been second fiddle on his own team to Bryce Harper and to Juan Soto and then to Mike Trout. Now Um, Xander Bogart's really, really good, but was always second fiddle to uh, Mookie Betts. And now um, Rafael Devers is the top dog in Boston. Uh, Whereas Luis Robert is the most exciting thing on the White Sox. They have a lot of exciting players, but Luis Robert is young. He's exciting. That is where the hype is. There's no hype around Anthony Rendon and Xander Bogarts, and people pay for hype. So even though they're both better players than Luis Robert right now, they don't have the hype that he has because he's young, he's new, he's fresh, um, and that's what people care about more so than uh, sustained career production. I brought up the PSA 10 report here, PSA pop report here of Xander Bogarts. And as you can see, there's only 257 total 
2014 tops rookies graded of Xander. Um, I think that if, if we saw like the amount of um, Xander Bogarts out there of Luis Robert, so meaning that the pop report would be close to 2000, this card would be worth like 15 bucks, 20 bucks. But because if you think about it, like I'm surprised that he's even half of Luis Robert. Everyone wants to chase the young guy. Um, no one wants to have someone that, you know, isn't super popular, but it's really good, but just doesn't have that much demand. Um, I'm surprised that this is even a, I guess that the only reason it's a $45 card is because there's only 187 PSA 10s out there. Most likely because two years ago, this card was probably really cheap or even a year ago uh, when there weren't that many people in the market or grading that many cards or watching the PSA 10s. Uh, low supply equals higher price, even though $45 still isn't that much. I also think if Xander Bogarts was coming up right now and a top prospect, this card would be worth way more. Yeah, so just different story, different time frame. Yeah, the wrong yeah. time. He came up in the wrong time. You come up now, people are super excited. You came up five years ago, you're out of luck. Yeah. Unless you pull a Christian Yelich and gotcha. light the world on fire. And then here, here was the comparison uh, to for Luis Robert. I just want to show the pop report, which we talked about earlier. Uh, 20, 2200 Luis Robert pop with 1069 and then between 80 and $100 for PSA 10 right now. I did see a comment earlier I want to bring up. Someone said that if there's, you know, more PSA 9s than 10s, sorry, more PSA 10s than 9s, it's an easy grade. But I do not think it's that easy to look at it that way because there's a 188s here. That's a lot. I'd say I've, I've 2,000 graded. That's a lot of 8s and it lowers the gem percent um, to around – 50%. I'd say 50% is a pretty tough grade on a top base rookie. I think that if you go back and look at some of the other guys, you can see 60, 70% um, from past sets. I'd say that that's pretty rare or a pretty hard grade. Our Luka Doncic 2016-17 upper deck rainbow foil, which is the base, a better investment than the 2018 prism base over the long haul. Thanks, George Reavy, for this question. I went and looked up the uh, the price of this Luka Doncic, and it's 2950 for PSA 10 from 2016 Upper Deck Euro League. This is from two years before his Prism release, and it is obviously much higher than the Prism. The Prism is worth around 1250 right now. Where am I at on this card? So if we look at the PSA Pop Report, there is 72 tens of 121 total graded for that Upper Deck Rainbow Foil from 2016. Um, there's also a pattern rainbow, but we're not going to talk about that. That's not the card in question. It is this rainbow foil. And if we compare it, there we are, 1250 for Prism Base PSA 10. This card is a pop 14,000 plus PSA 10 increasing by the day. Um, I, I think there's so many different ways to think about it. Long haul, we always want the more rare, the more scarce, the more collectible, the lower pop card. But some sort of side of me has here that no one's going to care about that card really because one, it's upper deck, two, it's a Euro League card. It helps that's from two years before, but I still can't see myself if I'm even trying to make money over the next year or two, uh, spending that 3K on the, on the rainbow foil, unless you're looking to collect uh, versus a prison based rookie PSA 10. I think it's just going to be so much more opportunity selling the, the prison based PSA 10. I'm always a proponent for if you're collecting, investing for the long haul, go with the lower pop card. It kind of has me torn here because normally we're going between, you know, a 2018 rookie, like a, a parallel or a number PSA 10. Um, this one's a little different because it's it's a Euroleague card from upper deck. 
it's just it's it's super weird and i don't know how many people are really going to care or know about it but it could it could work um, out Aaron, think about all those michael jordan random cards the nike promotion card from 1985 um Hey, that car is super hot. Don't, don't. No, I, I understand. I understand. Don't disrespect it. <laughs> I'm saying, and I know this is comparing Michael Jordan to Luka Doncic, which is probably stupid. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, probably not a ton of people knew about that. And yeah. people probably would have said back then, if this was a thing now, that they're like, oh, don't buy this 1985. Get the 1986 Fleer. That's his rookie card, blah, blah, blah. And it's got like and, 20K pop. And you're looking, you're looking at the 1985 and the price is exploding. Um, because once more people found out about it, they're like, oh, so could that be the same situation? We look down the line 15 years from now, Luka Doncic is one of the top 10 scorers in NBA history, um, maybe even higher based on how his career is going so far. And yeah, people are looking for rarer and rarer cards, and they're looking at all these prison base, and all of a sudden they see this upper deck, and I know upper deck's not a big name, and who knows? Maybe they won't even be around by then. Um, but like there's card companies from 1986 when Michael Jordan was around that aren't around anymore, but people still spend money on those. So is it one of those situations where we get far enough along and all of a sudden people will see a card like that? And don't get, don't get me wrong. If we're talking about Luka Doncic, Doncic, whatever, as a top 10 score all time, anything of his from these early years is going to be hot. And it's going to worth make people money on um, any of the cards. I think it's interesting because it really took it took a long time for that Jordan uh, Nike promo card to really take off, and I I wonder if it is going to be a similar situation to where there are going to be these other offshoot cards that really take off later down the line. But that doesn't mean let's think about the '86 Jordan Fleer. It never was like oh my gosh, this Nike '85 is better. Well, than well the yeah, Fleer. the 1986 is still super way more expensive. Right. So I guess to my my point is that I love the 2016 play from a, like a collectible low pop card play, but at the same time, like people aren't going to say, Oh my, like I want that more than a 2018 prism. I, if, if we compare it to the 86 flare, which you could say that the, the Luca is the 86 flare of this recent prism explosion. So good. It's a really good point. I guess that, I'm torn because I love both. I love both ideas of it because of Luca and because of collectability and because of investability. But I, I, I don't. Gosh, if I was saying for the long haul, the only reason why I might say the Luca uh, 2016 is because I really like low pop cards. I might choose that one. But also, you do want to know that you have the card that every single person out there wants of Luca too, which is the Prism. All right, well, here we go. This is me. Yeah. With PSA 9 being much more valuable than a BGS 9, do you think it's a good strategy to purchase BGS 9 and send them over to PSA for a crossover, hoping to get a PSA 9? So you have some prices here, Christian Yelich. Um, just wanted to get a Brewer in there. Uh, we're both wearing Brewer stuff, I see. Um, this BGS 9, not a great example because there's no uh, uh, subscores, but... You're looking at $30 shipped, a little bit over that for a BGS 9, and $45 shipped, a little bit over that for the PSA 9. Just so you have an idea of what the prices are. My answer is no. The likelihood that a BGS 9 crosses over to a PSA 9 when a lot of BGS 9 5s cross over to PSA 9s, um, I got to imagine it's really, really, really low. Uh and you'll just be getting a PSA 8, PSA 7 probably more so than you will a PSA 9 for a BGS 9. 
So if you're purchasing a BGS9 and you want to throw away your money, cross it over, get a lower grade. And not only have you spent the crossover money, but you're also selling the card for less than you bought the BGS9 for. I'm just going to agree with Nate on that. Not take up your time. Nate hit the nail on the head. I'm looking to purchase a LeBron rookie with $1,000 budget. Would the tops PSA 9 be my best better? Should I be looking at something else? There it is. PSA 9 tops number 221 is $1,000 with a 7,000, around 7,300 pop report, 7,250. Um, I'm just going to be really quick here and just go right to the point. I like this card much more for $1,000. 2003 LeBron gold PSA 8. Yes, it's a lower grade, but check out that pop report at the bottom. For the gold, not the gold refractor, but the gold, there's only 257. 280. Sorry, I had to add in those other one, those other guys. 280 LeBron gold PSA graded cards. That is a super small pop report. One PSA 10, 34 nines, and then 103 eights. Um, I'm going this card every single time if I'm deciding between the two. And that's where I am at in a lot of situations. Please be good at reading pop reports or at least try to learn how to. We did a Slab Stocks 101 YouTube video on it. Uh, you can get a lot of knowledge from pop reports that you can't elsewhere. Hey, quick question. How much do you think that one PSA 10 costs? Oh, my gosh. Oh, 20, 20K? 25? No, more than that. More than that, probably. That's, that's so rare. I mean, it's a, it's, I, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a quote-unquote one of one. It, it literally is a pop one that there will probably be no more going to the pop report. I It's got to be, you know, maybe 30 to 50, somewhere in that range, depending on how much the person wants to pay. It's a yeah. huge card. Huge. All right. From Graveyard Sports Cards, as someone looking to break into the hobby full-time, what do you suggest? I've been in it for a while, making steady profit from smart flips. How do I turn a career into a hobby? Thanks, boys. Um, anyone that has the ability to jump into the hobby with a full-time business, either if it's buying, selling, grading doing uh box breaks doing retail doing whatever you love in the space i'd recommend doing it if you have the ability to i know it's a lot harder for people out there that have families and need a steady job and everything but it is a blast um being full-time in the industry it you know it was a great leap for me and nate uh nate and i to to go into as a content business and you know trying to get our slab stacks pro off the ground which we will and working on our email and all that stuff and you know just having fun on the side with content like this youtube live um, whatever youth are good at in the hobby, triple down on it. If you're really good at grading, really work the non-graded buys at card shows on eBay and just build out bulk submissions. And once you get that rolling with getting those submissions out there, if you have the capital to build up, um, that inventory base that you can sit on submissions for, you know, five, six, seven months, cause they do take a long time. But then every month thereafter, you're getting one back. I know a lot of people are doing really well by doing that. If I was in the space, you know, in a full-time job in cards, like trying to make it by buying and selling, that'd be one of the biggest areas I'd look. Um, it's a great grading market. I'm going to play a little bit of contrarian here. Classic. And I'm going to say, don't turn it into a career. Have your career. Now, I know I'm, I did the opposite of this, but... I would I, say if you're good at take. if you're good at buying and and selling cards um, or grading, have it as a side job because once it becomes a real job, then it becomes moves from a hobby to a career, and you might enjoy it, but it's also going to be work. And I don't know if you want your hobby to be also work. Number one, I number two, number ahead. two. Let me finish, Aaron. Uh, there is something to be said about if you're making extra money, so you have your career, you're making that money, you can put it all 
into bills, this and that. And then you can take this extra money. You're flipping cards. You're this, you're that. You're flipping all over the place. Maybe you're taking in people's cards to look over or send out. Maybe you're doing box breaks, whatever. That's all extra money that you can set aside and either buy more cards or buy or or invest into retirement. Um, but if you turn it into a career, then all of a sudden the first money that goes to bills and everything goes away. And now you need to take this hobby and make sure it's really successful or else you are toast. Um, so I think the smartest idea is to, unless you are extremely, extremely successful, to keep it a hobby, enjoy it, make extra money. You know, maybe you go from, you're really good at it and you go from a $60,000 job, you on the side, you make 40,000 from the hobby and you're a hundred thousand dollars a year type of guy, instead of just trying to make the hobby, get you up to 60. That's fair. I'm not going to argue with the take, but I think if, if you have a large capital, uh, to start with and really invest hard into it uh, and you enjoy it a lot and you really want to make that your full 40 to 80 hours a week, then do it. Um, if you don't want to make your full 48 hours, 40 to 80 hours a week, then don't do it. Cause like Nate said, there's a lot of positives. If you have an enjoyable career outside of it. Um, I think it's, it's hard because I think it's situational for each person. Um, yeah. I myself is one that would, that would do it versus trying to support a different career maybe and do this yeah. too. But, if you're uh, doing something like us, Aaron, you kind of need the time to randomly do things yeah. throughout the day. But if you're just buying and flipping cards, you know, maybe it's something that you enjoy that you can look forward to after you get done with, I don't know, working at Walmart or working at uh, Foxconn or, you know, wherever you work. I don't care. <laughs> um, you know, maybe you don't enjoy it and you can look forward to cards, but you still have that money. So that's all I'm trying to say is I would... I would highly advise people to keep it a hobby, keep it enjoyable, make extra money from it, enjoy the extra money. But once you put your pressure pressure on yourself of making your entire living off this hobby, what happens if the card market really actually does die down in five years? You know, it's all of a sudden you threw away, you threw away a good job and five years of advancement in that job for the sake of enjoying five years of life, but then you're back to square one. Whereas you could take all that extra money invest it into, you know, more cards or the stock market or whatever you want to invest in realty. Um, uh, but, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm hesitant to say, tell somebody that they should try to turn this into a career when it's definitely hard to do. You need to be really good. You need to be on top of your game. Whereas it's a lot easier to take it, make it a small part of your life, a hobby makes good money off of it, but not have to rely on it. I think it's, I think consider both takes. I like, I don't want to, cause I, I'll never tell someone to not chase after what they want to do full time or what they want to spend all their time doing. Cause I did the exact same thing. Um, but I think that there's also something to be said for if you're more uh secure person, you're looking to, you know, keep it as a, a hobby, a side thing then that too. But I think there's ways to, that you can do it. I know a lot of people that do do it full time. Yeah. Uh, that that's a valid, that's a valid point. Chase what you love. Just know that sometimes it doesn't work out. That's why you got to have a good plan B. Yep. All right. Should I slow? Thank you for watching, first of all, this entire show. But should I show the last slide? I'm not sure what's there. Is it safe? Okay. Yep. Just just making sure. Why is Slab Sucks Nate the best and Slab Sucks Aaron the worst from Greg Gard? Well, this is, this I is can tough. 
I can answer this, Greg. This is Gard. tough. Well, I didn't know this was going to come up here. <laughs> for many of you, uh, Greg Gard is the Wisconsin Badgers basketball coach, and he's wondering why. Uh, Slapstocks Nate is the best, and Slapstocks Aaron is the worst. Well, I have a couple pictures for you, and one is Wisconsin losing to Kentucky. Uh, Final Four, or was that the champ? No, Duke was the championship. Yeah, Kentucky was, was Final Four. This was the year before me buzzer beater from Aaron Harrison. Yes, yeah, so we've got a picture. Sam Decker, sad boy. Kentucky happy boys. Uh, and then we got Mario Chalmers. You know, the man nailing the three last couple seconds against Memphis against John Calipari's Memphis uh, leading them to overtime, winning the championship. And that is why slab socks. Nate is the best. And slab socks. Aaron is the worst is because slab socks. Nate does not cheer for a trash basketball school. One that you Greg guard happened to coach. Whereas I have wait 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 wait, wait 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 okay, Wisconsin has been a good basketball program. Kansas has been a super good basketball program. Wisconsin has been an amazing football program, and Kansas has been the worst football program in the Power Five conferences for the last like twenty years. So I don't even want to talk about it. Uh, Kansas. scratch that. Two thousand seven, Kansas made it all the way up to number two in the AP twenty top twenty five. Two thousand what? Two thousand seven. Dude, that was before like 50% of the Pokemon sets were even produced. That's like ancient history. Uh, but you said last 20 years, and I was just making sure <laughs> that you understood. I know. I'm just messing around. Okay. Uh, let's wrap this up. Thank you, everyone, so much for joining this. We had over 100 viewers the entire time. That is huge. This was our first uh, Slab Socks Live on YouTube. And I was blown away with the amount of people that came here and interacted and, and watched. And I think it was some great discussion. This is an excellent way for Nate and I to be able to get our thoughts out there on hot topics in the sports car marketplace, answer your questions most importantly. And to do so, make sure you check out the description of this video. The very first link you see is next week's question submission form. Submit your questions so we can answer it live here. It was a, over an hour, and we had a good amount of questions, but I feel like there will be more for next week, so we'll have to find a way to get more concise. Uh, but great discussion. Thank you, Nate, for joining too. Yeah, and lastly, um, also, I was keeping tabs of the comment section on the side from time to time, and if you don't, if you have questions, but you know, Aaron and I can't get around to it. A great area is to re is a resource is to use everyone in the comment section. There's a lot of people in here; they have a lot of ideas, um, and a lot of you did that. You used uh, everyone in the comment section to also uh, answer your questions, which is a great use of this live. So, thank you, everyone, for doing that too. Awesome. Thank you, everyone. Next week, same time, same day, Monday at 5 p.m. Eastern time. We will see you back here in Slabzacks Live. For those watching on the replay later, thank you for watching. Throw into the comments section what your favorite part about it was, and maybe we can uh, do it more next time to make sure you guys are enjoying what you're watching. Uh, we will see you guys next week.